Welcome to IFA Talk, IFA Magazine's weekly podcast. IFA Talk is for professional investors only. Thank you. Thanks very much for joining us for the latest episode of IFA Talk, IFA Magazine's weekly podcast, where we talk to people who matter about the things that matter in the world of financial services. I'm Brandon Russell, online writer here at IFA Magazine. Joining me on the podcast this week is our editor, Sue Whitbread. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's IFA Talk, as Brandon's just said. And our conversation today is going to delve into behavioural finance. And we're really lucky to have not just one, but two guests to talk to. And both of our guests are from Morningstar, and they are Samantha Lamas, who is a senior behavioural researcher, and Danielle Labotka, who's a behavioural scientist. Both Samantha and Danielle are based over in the States, and they've recently conducted some research to dig into the motivations behind why investors will hire or fire their professional advisors. Uh, Their findings are interesting and they suggest a few common motivations, however, they are really multifaceted. So we thought it would make for a great conversation. And particularly today, we're going to be focusing on those areas which investors focus about firing their advisor. So some interesting learnings here. So Samantha, Danielle, welcome to IFA Talk. It's great to have you on the podcast. Can I just ask you to say hello, introduce, tell us a little bit about yourselves and your role. So my name is Samantha Lamas. I am a senior behavior researcher at Morningstar. I've been here for a couple of years and really what we focus on here is trying to understand investors and promote investor success. So I'm really excited to be here and share some insights with you all. Yes, and I'm Danielle Abatka. I am a behavioral scientist at Morningstar. I've been here for just over a year. Um, prior to coming to Morningstar, I did my PhD in psychology at the University of Michigan. And so I've joined Sam and we together examine the ways in which um, investor behavior and actions are related to one another. Definitely sounds like we've got the right people on today then. So like Sue said, it's great to talk to you both. Samantha, shall we start with you then? Uh, can you explain what motivated the research you've done and give us a brief overview of the study itself? Yeah, so as we kind of alluded to at Morningstar, Danielle and I are part of the Behavioral Insights Group. And our focus is on conducting original research that promotes investor success. And we genuinely believe that advisors are a key part of this, of this success. So probably now more than ever, people have so much information and tools at their disposal. Um, And advisors can really be there to help people cut through the noise and focus on their financial goals. So we conducted this research to better understand where advisors go wrong. So we know that an advisor getting fired is kind of a rare occurrence, but it's much more likely for an investor just to become disengaged, right? Maybe they stop showing up to meetings, they stop taking calls, Maybe they start divesting some assets from you or they have assets that you don't even know about that is with someone else, right? Or they're handling on their own. So in these cases, they're taking up your resources, your time, um, and they're not giving you all of your business. So not only are you not getting referrals, but they're taking up your resources, your time, and it's, it can be costly. That's what we like to say. So to understand why advisors get fired, we ask people who had fired an advisor in the past why they chose to stop working for an advisor. So very simple design, and it was all open text, which was great for us because we were really able to collect people's thoughts in their own words. So there was in the privacy of their own home. There was no leading the witness with multiple choice questions. They were able to just write in their thoughts in their own words. Um, to analyze the data was a bit tricky because it was open text data. 
So we look to existing research for common reasons why reasons why people fire their financial advisor, and we manually categorize responses into these reasons. So some responses were a bit longer than others, and they fit into multiple categories, so we did so accordingly. And since this was a manual process, we first established interrated reliability with Danielle and I, because we were the, the raters, um, and we did tend to agree on average 98% of the time across all categories. Sounds like it involved quite a lot of work there, Samantha. <laughs> It did, but it was worth it. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can guess that. Uh, Danielle, can, can we dig into those findings a little bit now? I wonder perhaps if you could shed some light on which of the categories actually rose to the top regarding why people fired their advice, because client retention is so important. As you alluded to earlier, we found that there wasn't one reason that dominated the others. Um, instead, we found about six common reasons that people fired their advisor. And so as I'll list them, I'll give them examples from the data. So as Sam pointed to, uh, having open-ended tax really is wonderful because it means we can get a full image of what people are thinking about when they respond to our survey. So the most common reason that we heard was the quality of financial advice and services, which came up in 32% of the responses that we received. So for example, somebody said, quote, I felt I was putting myself at more risk than I was comfortable with. Uh, next, we saw the quality of the relationship with the financial advisor accounted for 21% of people's responses. And they said, quote, I didn't feel the advisor was putting my best interest ahead of their own. Uh, next came cost of service, which was about 17%. And people said something like, he was pressing one button and charging me for it when I could have done that just as easily. Then we did see returns, uh, which was 11%. And somebody said that the types of offerings were below to average mutual funds, which didn't maximize my returns. Then we saw people talking about their own comfort handling their finances. So that was about 10% of responses. And people said, uh, quote, I got a plan and implemented some of it, but preferred to mostly self-direct. And then finally, our sixth most common reason people gave us was the quality of communication they had with their advisor. That was about 9% of the responses we saw. And they said things like, he seemed to be only interested in himself and didn't listen to his clients. So one of the things that really surprised us about our findings is that the reasons tended to be financial, not emotional. And this is actually contrary to what we thought. We had thought initially that people would fire their advisor for emotional reasons because it would kind of light a spark in them where they were like, I, I got to get out of this relationship. But the responses we got were actually contrary to that. So people are really pointing to a lot of issues they're feeling about the financial support that they're getting from their advisor. That, that's really interesting insight then. So coming back to you, Samantha, given the insights research has thrown up, how can advisors improve relationships with their clients so that this doesn't happen to them? Even though a lot of the reasons tended to skew financial, right? We find that a lot of the ways advisors can prevent these issues from popping up in their practice are actually emotionally grounded. So yes, these surface level reasons as to why investors fire their financial advisor, they're extremely important. But to prevent them, the solutions are emotional. So as we were digging through the responses and trying to identify solutions, we quickly saw a pattern where some of the categories were driven by the same underlying issue and thus can be solved accordingly. So for example, the categories of quality of financial advice and quality of relationship. 
both of these sort of stem from the advisor not dedicating enough time to focusing on the person side of personal finance. They weren't doing the homework of helping discover a client's goals and needs. Um, so one of the suggestions we make in the, in the paper itself is to lean on ready-made tools, um, discussion guides, processes, et cetera. Because sometimes this discovery process is hard to do in conversation. And that's hard for an advisor just, you know, you know, advisors are trained in finance and now they're expected to be relationship experts. So why not just lean on these ready-made tools to help you and your client have those more deeper, more intense conversations? Um, the categories of cost, comfort handling financial issues or quality of communication all sort of stem from an advisor not adequately communicating their value. So when it came to cost, people were citing reasons like they didn't understand how the cost of this financial advisor was making do with the value that they were getting, right? When it came to comfort handling financial issues, investors felt comfortable enough making these decisions on their own. They didn't know what the advisor, what else the advisor was bringing to the table. And when it came to quality of communication, I mean, the truth is that an advisor's job is mostly done behind closed doors, right? You could be you as the advisor could be doing a million things for the clients, but unless you're adequately communicating that to the client, they have no idea what you're up to. Um, so the advice we give here is to be that financial teacher. So helping explain to the client exactly what you're doing, when you're making changes, why you're making this decision over that, you know, explaining to them what's going on in their portfolio and why that's right for their financial goals. Even if it sounds like it's too much information or they don't seem to care, so letting them know that you're handling this complexity for them. And we also give the suggestion of reaching out proactively. So whether that be there's a market downturn and maybe you send an email, or we even give the suggestion about using social media, right? If your client is on social media, then posting your thoughts on what's going on in the market on you know, a daily or weekly basis could help, right? It's about staying top of mind for clients. And if their minds are on social media, then we should probably be there as well. So when it came to the category of returns, we think this is driven by this common misconception um, that a, lo a lot of investors have, that advisors are just these sort of get rich quick professionals, right? They're, they can somehow wrangle the market um, to their own will, which is not true. So this is about setting expectations early on in the relationship. So being that financial teacher and helping the investor understand that um, their goal is 30 years from now. And that's what we're focused on. We're not focused on these day-to-day -day, day -day returns or et cetera. Um, so you can even use the power of reframing here, right? Reframing those quarterly or annual or biannual performance report meetings as progress report meetings. So during these meetings, we talk about your progress to your financial goals, not this one percentage number that could be easily skewed by recent events. Um, but overall, we find that Although with returns, you know, that sometimes that seems a little out of control, but for most of these reasons of why people fire their advisors, advisors have complete control over who leaves their, their practice. As long as you work on these issues early on, you can prevent those problems from popping up and wrecking havoc. You are listening to IFA Talk, IFA Magazine's weekly podcast. Subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to be notified as soon as a new episode becomes available and follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram at IFA Magazine. Now, we're already rapidly drawing to a close, but 
one thing I wanted to ask you, and I'll come to you, Danielle, on this one, is that I know the research was done in the US, but I wondered whether you would expect the findings to be any different for a UK audience or, or not. Right. So I think whenever you look at a study, it's always good to think about who was in the sample and what that means for the results. And I think that's especially important for financial advisors who are looking to apply research to their practice, right? And so it's definitely true that the advising landscape looks different in the UK than it does in the United States for any number of reasons like regulations. But it's important to remember that the core reason for clients investing remains the same. They want to build a better future for themselves and those they care about. And because of that, when we look at the responses that we get, I think that what we find is that the reason for hire, for firing advisors um, are tied to that end goal for all investors, which is why we think it's applicable to investors and advisors outside of the United States. Investors need to have strong relationships with their advisors wherein they feel that they are seen. So that comes back to these points that Sam brought up about how you can maintain your relationships. And so they want to feel seen and they want to feel that their advisors are working towards their end goals. That's something that any investor is going to want to feel. Mm -hmm. And they also need to understand the value that their advisor provides, regardless of the ways in which financial advising differs between the United States and the UK. That's something that investors still need to know. They need to have confidence that the service they receive is going to help them get where they want to be. And ultimately, you know, every investor needs to have those right expectations set, that they are investing and working with their advisor to prepare for that long-term goal, that endpoint that they want to be at 30 years down the road, instead of chasing those short-term returns. So because these are all such integral pieces to the investing and advising process, we think that these findings can extend to any advisor looking to maintain strong relationships with their clients. Well, I, I would agree completely. You know, we've just entered a new regulatory regime here in the UK and you alluded to regulation as being one of those important factors, which um, has meant an awful lot more work for financial advisors. And whilst on the one hand, it might put more of an obligation on them in terms of delivering for clients, I just wonder whether it may mean so much more work that they may just forget to communicate these things directly to the client. Something that your research has really brought loud and clear that communicating the value of what the advice is about and what it's designed to do to help the client achieve their goals is, is tantamount to what keeps the relationship strong and positive. And thank you very, very much, both Danielle and Samantha. You've given so many interesting things there to think about for those of the, the listeners tuned in today. So thank you both for joining us today. It's been great to have you on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having us. We were really excited to be on. Yeah, thank you for talking with us. And uh, hopefully we can invite you both back onto the podcast in the near future, because we would really love to follow up on the other part of the research that you conducted, which I know was about the decisions between investors actually hiring a professional advisor. Yes, the more positive side. We, we, can, we can end <laughs> on that one. <laughs> I like the idea. We should look forward to that. And thank you both. And also thank you to you for listening. Uh, we hope that you found it useful and we look forward to getting your uh, tuning in on another IFA Talk podcast very soon. 
IFA Talk is for investment professionals only. All material has been carefully checked for accuracy, but no responsibility can be accepted for inaccuracies. Whatever appropriate, independent research, and whatever necessary, legal advice, should be sought before acting on any information contained in this podcast. And value of investments and income from them can go down as well as up. You may not get back the amount you originally invested.